بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد اللہ رسول کریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائی از دا ٹوینٹی سیونتھ آف جنوری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu. And I've started the subsection in which we're now taking a glimpse into his immense fear of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in a narration recorded by Imam Behaki in his Adhab al-Qabr, number 258, it mentions, a man once informed Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu that there are people who deny the punishment of the grave, to which he replied, do not sit with them. So let's look at this. So Imam Behaki, he wrote many works. One of the works he had blessed us with is called Adhab al-Qabr, the punishment of the grave. So in that respected work, it mentions that the blessed companion Anas, radiyallahu anhu, he was informed that there's some people and they have a problem or they deny the punishment of the grave. So meaning they believe in the day of judgment, they believe in paradise, but with the grave because they deny it. His response was simply, do not sit with them. Those Imam Ahmad, he elucidated, Rahmatullah, no one denies the punishment of the grave except a misguided person who also misguides others. Recorded by Hafiz Salih ibn Ahmad, rahmatullahi in his Tabakat al-Hanabila, 1-62, 1-174. So, Imam Ahmad, rahmatullahi he said, the one who denies this essential, he himself is misguided, and he will affect others. He will misguide others. So now, are there people of this in the Ummah? Yes, there is. You get some Muslims who say that these reports don't reach the level of tawatil and they can't be used in the sense of belief and the rest of it. And the response is, anything which is mentioned in the Quran doesn't need to reach the level of tawatil. <coughs> and Allah Ta'ala clearly mentions in the Quran, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, hatta zurtumul maqadr. You are distracted by the piling until you visit the graves. So Hafiz ibn Qayyim, rahmatullahi he mentions that Allah Ta'ala, he mentions the grave until you visit the grave. So if there was nothing happening in the grave, why is that verse there? Allah Ta'ala would have said something of the nature, the mutual piling diverts you until you resurrect or until you stand before your Lord. But he says, until you visit your grave. So something's happening there. And Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu said that the companions had a doubt about this until this surah was revealed. Surah Taqaf, because the matter was clear with this surah. The other thing which Hafiz ibn Qayyim mentioned about that verse is that he says that it refers to the visit, the grave being a visit. And what's shocking? 
people have been in the graves for thousands of years. And yet the Quranic description is Zur, a visit. So what is that telling you? Allah Ta'ala is telling you in the Quran that even though the length of stay in the grave is extensive, compared to eternity, it's still a visit. So Hafiz ibn Qayyim said, then what about the stay on the earth? So what's happening is we're working backwards. We actually think we've got a long life. But when you actually go into the grave, you will realize that your stay on the earth was very short. And when you leave the grave, you will realize the stay in the grave is very short. Unfortunately, we started at the beginning. <laughs> so here, many things. But Anas, when he was told, he goes, don't even sit with these people. Mm. And Imam Ahmad said, they're misguiding and they're misguiding others. Indeed, Anas himself had related, radiyallahu mm. in Abu Dawood, Ahmad and others. <coughs> Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullahi, states Sahih in Sahih al-Jami, number 1930, As-Sahiha, number 1,454, 3,954, and Sahih al-Targhib, number 3,555. The Prophet, sallallahu he once entered a dead god owned by some of the Bani al-Najjar. There were a few graves in the god, and the Prophet, sallallahu heard from their direction a sound that alarmed him. Thus he inquired, who are buried in these graves? He was informed, there are some people who died in Jahiliyyah, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa He responded, sallallahu alayhi wa تُعَوَّذُوا بِاللَّهِ مِنْ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ وَمِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْدَجَالِ Seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's protection from the punishment of the grave and from the fitna of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. So let's look at this. So this is a flawless report in Abu Dawud and Ahmad. So who narrates it? Anas. So note, he had first-hand experience of this. So Rasulullah, why did he enter this orchard? It belonged to the Bani and Najjar because these were his maternal relatives. And he loved to go into orchards, i.e. to offer optional price. So he's in one of the orchards and there were some graves there. So what's strange about that? Why are graves in orchards? So the response is in the Jahiliya days, the people will be buried where they like to be buried. Some of them, you know, spend, they loved orchards, so they'll be buried there. So there was a few graves there. And he asked, who's buried here? And they said some people from Jahiliya, meaning they didn't, they weren't graced with Islam. And what did what did he say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Seek protection from the punishment of the grave and the fitna of the jal. Mm-hmm. Meaning that the jal you may miss, but still seek protection because if he comes, it's the grave is fitna. But the grave he mentioned first, meaning nobody is exempt from this. Mm-hmm. So. If again nothing was happening in the grave, what is this referring to? But not again, there's so many reports, flawless reports indicating this. Anas radiallahu related a similar incident, but this time it was Bilal who was with the Prophet. Whilst we were with the Prophet in the dead palm garden of Abu Talha, Rasulullah went out to answer the call of nature. Bilal and Yamshi. Bilal was walking behind him. The Prophet thereupon came by a grave, stood there so that Bilal caught up with him. The Prophet said, Ya Bilal, Hal Tasma'u Ma Asma. 
Woe to you, O Bilal. Do you hear what I am now hearing? Bilal radiyallahu said, I don't hear anything, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet said, Sahibul Qabri yu'adhib. The companion of this grave is being punished. Later they found out it was a Jew. I who was buried there. This is Imam Ahmad in his Musnad 3-151. Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah states Sahih in his checking of Bukhari's Al-Dabal Muflat number 853. So note, who narrates this report? Anas. But he's relating another incident. Why? Because this was Abu Talha's orchard. And it mentions Bilal was walking behind him. Why? Because in a famous report, he's walking ahead of the Prophet. He will act as the guard of the Prophet. And in paradise, he's been given that honor. But here he would walk behind occasionally as well. And then what happened? Now think about that. There were other Sahaba there. But the Prophet ﷺ, he turned to Bilal. Why did he turn to Bilal? Single him out. Maybe at the time he was the most senior companion with the Prophet at the time. Because don't you hear what I'm hearing? And Bilal said no. Despite his greatness. And the Prophet ﷺ said the companion of the grave is being punished. He was a Jew. Another Sayyid Hadith. And like I mentioned, Ali radiallahu said, we were in doubt about the torment of the grave until Surah Al-Taqathur was revealed. This is in Tirmadi, number 3366, Hassan Sahih, Ibn Jarir and Istafseed, 30-184, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Al-Mundil and others. So even the great Ali radiallahu said, there was a doubt, meaning we weren't 100% sure that there's something happening in the grave until Surah 102 was revealed. Because then there was no doubt. And like I mentioned, it mentions the clear verse of visiting the graves. So, note, Anas Nauradiyallanhu, the people were turning to him for guidance. If they found something strange, they would turn to him and he would t- set them right as they say. With regards to his acquiring the sacred hadith from our beloved Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Anas radiyallahu said, when we used to be with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa we would listen to a hadith from him. Then when we stood to leave, we would go and revise what he sallallahu alayhi wa said amongst ourselves until we memorized it. Recorded by Hafiz al-Khatib in his Al-Jami 1-363-4. However, one of the narrators is Yazid al-Raqashi who is Da'if. So even though there's a weak narrator in this chain, the report from other references indicate its soundness. So what did Anas say? We would sit with the Prophet We would listen to hadith. When we left, we would revise amongst ourselves until we memorized it. So note he's teaching now how they were being taught. We sat with the Prophet, but then we would not be happy until we had actually memorized it from others who were in the same gathering. It is also worth mentioning that many of the hadith of Anas related from our beloved Messenger had not come directly from him but from another companion. In Tabarani in his Kabir Sahih, Humayd Rahmatullah said, We were with Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik when he said, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not everything we relate to you from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa have we heard from him directly. But there was no danger for we did not lie to each other. 
So this is a very important narration. Sayyid Hadith in Tabarani. Anas is explaining something which is unique to the Sahab. If you get a narrator who's not heard it from somebody, the report is weakened. Even if the Sahab is missing. So for instance, you get a chain from a Tabi'in and he relates from the Prophet. So somebody could say, is that a weak report? So you say, well, the Tabi'in, he would not lie. And you say, no, I didn't ask you that question. I said, is that a weak report? And the scholars would say, this is Mursal. Mursal meaning is weak because the Sahab is not mentioned. Who did the Tabi'in hear it from? So that's a Mursal. But there are also something called the Mursal of the Sahaba. What does that mean? It means that the Sahaba narrated a hadith, but he didn't hear it directly from the Prophet. Is that hadith weak? The scholars unanimously say, no, it's flawless. A person goes, yeah, but the Sahaba didn't hear it directly from the Prophet. They're all upright. Why? Because they were chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Anas highlighted that. He goes, I swear to God, not everything we relate to you from Rasulullah, we heard directly. But there was no danger. Because we did not lie to each other. So now think about that. Will a layman know whether a sahaba has heard it directly or not? It's not a layman's job. And yeah, how many times do we narrate hadith and we don't even realize the sahaba who is narrating it, he did not hear it directly from the Prophet. And one of the easiest ways that we can detect is if it's a junior sahab. So for instance, if Abdullah ibn Abbas is talking about the Makkah period, he was born in the 10th year in Makkah. So obviously he couldn't have witnessed it. So that indicates this is a Mursal report from Ibn Abbas. But it's flawless. Why? Because he must have heard it from one of the sahab. Right? So this is again highlighting the state of the sahab because they were all chosen by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, the integrity of none of them needs to be affirmed for no other than Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had affirmed of their integrity and righteousness. So, let's look at this. So, the companions, they would narrate things which they didn't hear direct from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For a person to become a companion of the Prophet the majority of scholars say that Rasulullah must see him for one moment and that person dies with Iman. The scholars are asked how do you become a Tabi? And you would expect the same thing. You would expect the scholars to say a Sahaba looks at a person and that person dies with the Iman, he's a Tabi'in. The answer is no, he's not Tabi'in. Because he has to spend months studying with the Sahab and then die with Iman, then he's a Tabi'in. And the same is the case for the Taba Tabi'in. So why on earth have the scholars made an exception for the Sahab? And the scholars say because of the immensity of the prophetic rank. Rasulullah's status is unique. His maqam is so immense that one moment in his presence, that's it. You don't need anything else. You don't need the credentials. This is why the Sahaba are unique. So note 
This is another reason why they're Mursal, we don't question, because they're all upright. Why? Because they're with the Prophet. Allah chose them to be around the Prophet. So why have they been given that maqam? Because who does our entire deen come from? The Wafid. Right? Our entire deen comes from the Sahaba. So are they, whether they're just by chance? Do you honestly believe? Allah will just put Tom, Dick and Harry by chance to be around his messenger so they're going to protect you, his deen. So even logically you think Allah is going to handpick people who are going to protect the Quran, who are going to protect the Sunnah, who are going to protect all the sciences of Islam. But Bali Bali Muslim can't even articulate that. He goes, no, 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 there's rotten, there's rotten apples amongst them. And then you go, well, there you go. In. That's like saying the Prophet, you know, Allah is put a few uh, dodgy ones amongst the Prophet وسلم, to protect his deen. So note, there's a deeper meaning of Anas' statement here. For instance, an example of his learning from others can be seen from the narration which Anas himself relates. In Hakim, it is Mustadrak, number 8721, states Sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim. Hafiz ibn Kayyim in his Al-Jawab, Al-Qafi, number 88, stated Sahih. Ibn Abi Dunya in his Al-Uqubat, Perish Nations, number 17 of the New English Translation. So Anas, he relates, radiyallah, I once went to visit Aisha, radiyallah, and I saw a person with her asking her, O Mother of the Believers, inform us about earthquakes. She replied, It will be a time when people will be consumed by fornication, intoxicants, music and singing will also be widespread. Allah the Almighty will become enraged and order the earth, shake the people. If they become repentant, remove it from them, otherwise destroy them, i.e. to purify them of their crimes. So stop in the report. So Anas, what did he say? I went to visit Aisha. So why is he visiting Aisha? Obviously, he's our mother. Also to learn. But when he's there, there's another person there. Mm. So he's thinking, Alhamdulillah, somebody's you know, he's asked a question. What did he ask? Tell us about earthquakes. So did Aisha go Teutonic plates? <laughs> right? You know, that's science. Science only asks how. Never ask why. Because they can't answer why. <laughs> So thank you for the dry figures they say, right? But what is the reason for earthquakes? She said, the acceleration will take place when these sins accelerate. Basically, 2023. Fornication everywhere, drugs everywhere, music and singing. Allah will become angry. He will order the earth shake. If they repent, stop. Otherwise, destroy them. So Anas... He goes, I asked her, will this, I, the death of the wicked and sinful Muslims, be a punishment? Mm. She replied, rather, it will be a lesson, a mercy, and a blessing for the believers. Mm. As for the unbelievers, it is abandonment, punishment, and indignation. Mm. Anas added, Allah, I have never heard a hadith after the passing of Rasulullah that made me so happy than this one. So what happened? 
He asked the question which people always ask. Muslims die in earthquakes. So is it were they punished? <laughs> or is it a purification? And then the whole argument starts, you know it's well they're all off their heads. They were they got it. And then goes, nobody shouldn't say that. They you know at the end of the day they got Iman. You're not bothered about your where have you popped out from? What does the revelation say? So Anas asked, This earthquake, is it a punishment? He's referring to the Muslims. <clears throat> so what did our mother say? She said it's three things she said about it. It's a lesson. It's a mercy. It's a blessing. Where did she mention punishment? <laughs> Who's plucked that one out? It goes, but for the unbelievers, obviously, it's nothing but disaster. And what did Anna say? I've never heard a hadith after the passing of Rasulullah that made me so happy than this one. Why? Because how many people die from natural disasters? Muslims. And according to Aisha, Allah has forgiven them. So he goes, they made me so happy. Look at the purity of others. Why? Because he's not talking about himself. He's just happy over the Muslims. He goes, millions of people probably will die from this. Alhamdulillah, if they've got Iman, Allah has forgiven them. And when there was that tsunami, you know, a decade or so earlier, and then many Muslims passed away. And what did Shaykh Hamza say? He goes, don't worry about the dead, worry about the living. <laughs> he said that. Because people saw dead bodies floating and they felt pity, obviously. And he just got to the crunch. He goes, what are you worried about the dead for? Now what did he mean by that? Allah has forgiven them. They've been purified. You haven't been purified, so if any is many buddhis, you should be worried about yourself. What Aisha, our mother said, it's a lesson. Meaning, take a lesson from it. Does that does Allah need to intervene to purify you? There's a lesson there. You know, why don't you just make it easy on yourself? Ask forgiveness. Secondly, it's a mercy, meaning it's not a punishment. And it's a blessing. And Anas goes, Allahu Akbar, after the Prophet, I've never heard such a beautiful narration. Clarifying further, our beloved messenger himself said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a believer is afflicted due to two reasons. Firstly, due to a sin that can only be forgiven due to it. And secondly, due to a status that can only be reached due to it. This is in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad 6-53, Ibn Abi Dunya Targheeb and others. Look how beautiful. What did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? He said there's two reasons these natural disasters. You know, it's so, so problematic when you say natural disaster. It's, you know, it sounds like a bit of kufr in there. Not natural, is it? Allah has intervened. Right? So more, more appropriate statement would be Allah's intervention. These are all Allah's intervention for the Muslims out of kindness. Why does he do it? The Prophet goes two reasons. One is it's the only way that can be forgiven. These guys are completely off their heads, they're Muslims. But the only thing they probably know is Tawheed. They've reached that stage. What on earth are they going to do to secure forgiveness? They don't know Istighfar and Surah Tawbah, Salat al this, that. They don't know left from right. So Allah in His kindness intervenes. He purifies them. There's another reason due to a status that they can only be reached by it. This is very interesting. <laughs> so they're not all of their heads. Allah Ta'ala has decreed, let's say, Firdos, inshallah, for a, 
for us. And you're scraping the bar. So like they say in English, you need a kick up the backside. You know, go up the ranks, isn't it? So what does Allah Ta'ala do? He kicks you up the backside. How? He intervenes. So when you see Muslims, look at the, this is how we're supposed to be thinking. But have Muslims got this understanding? As soon as they see an earthquake, what's the first thing that comes out of their mouth? They deserved it, didn't they? I knew it was coming. And look how jail that statement is. You know, if you think about it, complete, utter jail statement you've made, brother. Because no, 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 but they were off the heads, weren't they? Why do you keep saying off the heads? Are they Muslims? Yeah. That's it then, isn't it? You should have said, Allah Ta'ala has purified them. Allah Ta'ala has made them reach the rank. But which one of us say that? And which one actually says, but he missed out, didn't we? <laughs> he could miss that. Brother, the earthquake happened in Turkey. Were you getting... We missed that. <laughs> missed that, brother. I don't know what you're going to have to explain that one to me because they've already got there. We're still struggling. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala has helped them. Gave them a pass. But you want to keep working. Go on and work there, isn't it? Subhanallah, how often do Muslims ignorantly bicker over this question? Whether those who die due to an earthquake are being forgiven or punished. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us from speaking without knowledge. Especially when it comes to the divine mercy. Allah ta'ala does not tolerate that. And you've intervened in what? Imagine what subject have you intervened in? What's the subject that you've made an error in? Divine mercy. You've blown it, man. Because what do you mean I've blown it? What did Allah Ta'ala do to the saint? When he said to the sinner, Allah Ta'ala is not going to forgive you. So Allah Ta'ala was forgiven him. You start fresh. He was you know, being kind to him in Tabarani. Another report, he goes, you're in trouble now. Don't get involved with divine mercy. And look what you've just done. You've just done exactly what you're not supposed to do. So do Toba, innit? Say, Ya Allah, forgive me. I talk with ignorance. And who am I talking ignorantly about? Imagine. Not leather socks. <coughs> Right? Talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of ignorance. Indeed, to finish, thinking well, making excuse for others, falls under an exalted form of worship. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna husna dhanni min husna al-ibadah. Verily having a good opinion, thinking good of one's brothers and sisters, is an exalted, beautiful form of worship. Mm. This is in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, number 7,956, 8,036, 8,709, 9,280, 10,364. It has a weak narrator in the chain called Shutair ibn Nahar. Mm. So there's a slight weakness. But other reports confirm. So what did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? Verily, he stressed it. Verily. Inna husnadzan. Having a good opinion is beautiful worship. Good opinion of what? Of your brothers and sisters. Why did you go straight to the negative? You had a bad assumption of your brothers and sisters. They're getting punished. Stop. Right? Why did you have a bad, you know, um, well, they deserved it. And then you go, brother, I don't know. Why don't you just think good? And that, the Prophet said, is beautiful worship when you think good of others. Imagine next time earthquake strikes, you know, you should be celebrating, isn't it? Get really confused. What are you celebrating for brothers? Are you happy that brothers have died? No, 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 I'm not happy over that, brother. But I'm happy that Allah has forgiven them. Right? He said, dare to celebrate if you think about it. 
But if they're non-Muslim, then obviously we, we feel, naturally we feel grieved. We say, look, this is only for the Muslims. So note, Anas, where did he learn that from? Not directly from the Prophet. And yet, he narrated that afterwards. Because after the Prophet, this is the most beautiful narration I've heard from our beloved mother, Sayyidah Aisha radiyallahu. So all I mentioned today is again talking about the fear and taqwa of Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu. And notice, nothing but guidance comes from the companions of the Prophet sallallahu Are there any questions? Subhanallah bihamdi